Hello and welcome to Blue Explorations. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Tony Peters. Today you'll be hearing from John Winner of the UCM program, which is University Christian Ministries, and he's going to be talking about university students and how we can reach them for Christ and how important it is to prepare our youth as they enter into the university life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cool Explorations podcast. I am Tony Peters, your host. Today we have on Calvin Weber, and he is from UCM, which is the University uh, Christian Ministries. And he's going to explain a little bit about that in a little bit here. But first, we're going to get you to tell everyone about yourself and a little bit about what you do. Well, thanks, Tony, for having me on your podcast. And uh, I am a campus minister at BCIT. I've been doing campus ministry there for 11 years. Um, I was attracted to campus ministry as a first-year student at the University of Waterloo. And uh, that's where I met my soon-to-become wife, Heather, uh, who gave her heart to Christ as an engineering student at the University of Waterloo way back, can you believe it, 1979. Oh, my goodness. So uh, um, we worked together with campus ministry and student ministry at University of Waterloo. And when we both graduated, uh, we felt God's calling uh, to work together as a team. And that included getting married. Uh, and uh, since then, we uh, moved to British Columbia. We have five kids uh, over a 11, 12 year span. And they're all now adult kids. In fact, our youngest is celebrating his 21st, 25th birthday this week. So that's just a, a beginning of uh, who I am and how I got started in all of this. So why don't you start out also by telling us your testimony uh, and how God has kind of brought you to where you are now and what he's doing in your life now. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so I grew up in church. I grew up in a Mennonite church in uh, Waterloo County uh, and I had godly parents. Um, you know, I had, I had good examples in, in the churches that I attended, so I wasn't repulsed or repelled by religion or Christianity per se. I heard the gospel. I had great youth leaders, um, but I also had a sin-loving nature, and I had peers around me uh, in the neighborhood, and um, I tell people that even though I went to church, and especially in my high school years, uh, God was usually about fifth or sixth place in my life. Uh, I was interested in sports, uh, girls, money, cars, music, and then God. And sometimes that shifted up and down. But the bottom line was, I knew that I wasn't really truly an on-fire Christian. I, you know, I was a hypocrite. I was a lukewarm up and down uh, kind of a Christian. And one of the biggest events, a life-changing event in, in my life, in our family's life, was the death of my sister. Um, when we were, I was 11, she would have been nine. We were living out in the country for about a couple of years because dad's work out that way. And, um, we had to walk a quarter mile to the bus stop in this, in a winter storm. Um, so the two of us, uh, marched out and, um, we had to cross the number three highway, the main highway of the area. And, um, visibility was low. I looked one direction. And my sister just kept walking without stopping. And a car came by and, and, and killed her instantly. Oh, my God. And I, I was just absolutely shocked and in shock, uh, as were, of course, our whole family. It was a life-changing event. Um, for me, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I wanted, I didn't want to. <laughs> You know, it was, it was such a, a painful experience. Yeah. And I think that that uh, went in two directions. One was like, God, where were you? And, and God, I'm still kind of relying on you. Uh, um, I think I was probably borderline suicidal. Uh, but I was also wanting to bury this and set it behind me. Um, so I was really conflicted and, and um, lost and, and, and afraid to maybe even tackle at a, as an 11 year old something that serious. I had this dream um, of starting life all over again. And what I knew or learned as a teenager, I could employ to have a, a better life. Um, 
So there was that kind of um, a sense of dissatisfaction, uh, a sense of also reaching out to relieve the pain in maybe porn or other things that would try to, you know, I'd sneak in. And as a, a kid going to church and part of the youth group, that was something you wanted to hide as well and yeah. uh, go to a Mennonite high school. So I just was not solid. Um, I had an opportunity in my last year of high school. One of the guys at church who worked with YMCA said, Cal, there is a cultural exchange with the Inuit up in the Northwest Territories, which is now Nunavut, that part above Hudson Bay. And it's subsidized 90% by the government. You should consider going. So I got permission from my teachers, my parents to and, and apply and and get accepted and fly up to the Northwest Territories with about 20 other people from Ontario, Manitoba, New Brunswick uh, to live um, amongst and be billeted by uh, Inuit, learn about their culture. I met uh, a, a young man whose dad was an elder in the Pentecostal church in Rankin Inlet. Um, and that was, you know, I, it was just interesting. Never had that experience before. And somebody asked this guy uh, when we were on a, on a bus tour in Churchill uh, and we got stuck in the snow. We couldn't go any further. We couldn't get to the fort that we're supposed to go see, the Hudson Bay Fort, whatever it was. And so this girl from Toronto asked the guy, uh, Norman, hey, what's the greatest thing that's ever happened in your life? That's a great question to get to know somebody better. And I think she, I, in the seat behind, expected uh, an answer like my first polar bear kill or, or my first whale kill or, you know, some great story that fits the Northwest Territories in Hudson Bay. And But he turned around and just said to her, well, the greatest thing that's ever happened to me is a year ago I became a Christian and gave my life to Jesus Christ. And... <laughs> I, I don't she's not a christian and, and i'm a and i'm a lukewarm christian like a hypocritical christian you know uh jesus is like in fifth place sixth place and i'm i'm feeling temptations all over the place i had shoplifted recently you know there's just different things that were convicting me and and i heard this and God used that guy about three or four more times as an example to stir up what I knew was true all along. And one night I could not go to sleep. I had to open up a Bible that I hadn't really looked at for many, many, you know, very often. And I just, the page fell open uh, to um, back in Timothy 3. 15 and it said this and from and how from infancy or childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in christ jesus and it that's all i read that's as far as i read but i knew it was totally true speaking to my heart that from childhood i've been surrounded by the straight writings that would give me you know the information the faith the wisdom and salvation and i hadn't you know been all in on it and i was coming to this place where it just didn't make sense. Either I needed to be all in or all out, but living on the fence was terrible. And um, that night, God just filled my room. God's presence was there. I felt it. This scripture spoke to my heart, and I surrendered my life to Christ, and I became a new person. Uh, and from that day on, I followed Jesus Christ um, faithfully, really uh, read my Bible, just really went to a whole new level. And um, I could I can point to that incident. Um as a life-changing incident. Now, here's the thing. A lot of things changed after I became a Christian. One of them was I never had that dream to start life all over again um, because I was born again. I was starting my life all over again, I think. And and it was a liberating thing. And then over the years, you know, great personal healing in my heart over the death of my sister, the loss, the tragedy, has all come through Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, praise the Lord for that. Yeah, and... Now you work at UCM, and what does your role look like uh, with the, the the ministry there? Well, thank you. Um, I just, because I was at the University of Waterloo and involved in campus ministry, I really got a heart for campus ministry and for students and a vision for the fact that uh, young people are at this age group between 17, 18, and 
mid twenties high or older, uh, where they're, um, they're individuating, they're becoming adults, they're making life decisions, they're being influenced by the philosophies of the, of the day, they're, they're changing their beliefs. Uh, some are, are, are rejecting their Christian faith, their heritage, others are embracing it. Um, and so I just discovered this place to be an amazing mission field. Um, and not only that, but international students from every nation in the world uh, 60 of those nations that won't allow missionaries to go to them, they're sending their students here, and it's an opportunity for them to be introduced to the Christian faith and to mm -hmm. Jesus Christ himself. So that led me on a journey which um, I've consistently been involved in university ministry, whether it was at UBC for six years as a full-time campus minister or a part-time campus minister, then being a part-time pastor in Kitsilano. And to be a full-time pastor in Kisilana was still an eye once a week on doing something on one of the local campuses to going back, finishing my master's degree and going back to half-time campus ministry, then full-time campus ministry again, full circle, and uh, joining UCM 11 years ago uh, in, my, in this transition period for my life and being invited to consider um, going to BCIT, British Columbia Institute of Technology. Uh, it's an amazing school. There was no Christian ministry there except for UCM, and they didn't have a staff worker, and they needed one. Uh, this school is a little bit different than other universities, more trades, more tech, uh, shorter programs, two-year programs um, mostly, and heavy workload, six, seven, eight classes a week instead of five like I went to at university. Um, so they uh, really needed a Christian witness on that campus. And proximity-wise, I actually lived closer to BCIT than I did UBC. I prayed about it. Fell a Macedonian call saying, come and help us here. Come and help us here. And uh, I was like, okay, you know, I know it's a hard school. I have actually visited that school before, done Bible studies once a week there years ago. And I knew the culture was a little more difficult. I knew that other campus ministries tried and failed and left and redeployed their resources in other places. And uh, but I knew that it was a worthy uh, mission field uh, with, well, 20 to 30,000 students now at that growing campus. So I've been there 10, 11 years. Yeah, yeah that, that's incredible to be in the way. <laughs> a lot of people don't make it that long in any position that they're in. So that's that's pretty good. Um, and how do you see God at work in the student body and in what you're doing? Well, let me just say uh, what it is we do there, um, give you an idea of maybe a typical week or a typical month. Uh, September is our launch month, and usually, except for COVID, uh, we're, um, we've got our rooms booked, we've got some guest speakers lined up, we've got some subjects selected that we think will attract both Christians and non-Christians uh, to the room. Uh, we've got some social set up to get people together to have fun, be it a hike, a pizza party, games thing. Uh, just to build some relationships and connections. Uh, and then we start up a small group Bible study network, um, which is an inductive study. So let me just say that that first week on campus is really significant. Uh, there's clubs days. We have tables. All the clubs have tables. We're there present. We want to meet thousand students if we could and uh, find out who's interested in a Christian club on campus. And usually we find about 20% of people are somewhat interested in in what we're doing and one aspect of it. And, and that's more than enough people uh, to follow up. You know, if you have about 200 people that say, well, I'm interested, you add them all to your email list and you reach out to, you know, 50 of them that actually said they were very interested and say, well, let's do a one-on-one -on -one coffee and let's uh, let you uh, hear more about what we're doing. And suppose that, you know, you were one of those persons. And, and I was saying, uh, you know, Tony, this is, I'm so glad to have met you. What are you studying? So you want to build a relationship with somebody and it's really one-to-one -one relationship building, uh, but welcoming them into um, a hospitable Christian community that's on mission. And uh, we would tell them about our club meeting in the middle of the week, Wednesdays at 2.30 and what's happening there. And um, But we also we'd ask them, hey, would you be interested in a small group Bible study uh, that's inductive, where you get to look at the text, make observations, ask questions, uh, learn from one another in the group. And we just uh, get a good uh, number of people that say, yeah, I'd like to do that. I've never done that before. 
Um, and so we build a Bible study um, network or a core group network uh, where we can um, meet with students and walk through that. We're getting to know these students and we get to know, well, which one of these students, where are they at in their spiritual journey? Are they not yet a Christian? They're just exploring. How can we walk alongside them to come into faith in Christ? Or they are a young Christian. They're displaced from their home. They're no longer in their family household. They're no longer at their local church. They're here in the city. Can we help them make sure they find a good church in the city and be a Christian community with them on campus? And so there's faith is strengthened. And, and so we offer one-on-one -on -one discipleship and mentorship and leadership training for students on campus that are, are beginning to discover UCM and, and call it when their club, you know, and, and their spiritual home. So that's, uh, that's part of what we do. So I do think Bible study is so very, very important um, just to give that firm foundation uh, yeah. and the, the building tools for getting that cornerstone is Peter. I think Peter puts it as a cornerstone or as a, it might be Paul, but uh, the cornerstone of the church and getting them to actually have that knowledge so they can go out and they can be an active Christian um, instead of the Christian that just sits there and, be, and it's like, I, I go to church, I'm good. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that is, that is really important. And the discipleship, um, is extremely important, especially as people are maybe new to the faith or, or are kind of wondering where their faith fits into their life. So I yep. think it's, it's very important what you're doing uh, in that way. And do you see um, the church failing some of these young people, or do you see the church kind of supporting these young people in what they do? That's a good question. I mean, it's all over the map. Uh, every church is unique. Uh, the um, the church may have programs that they're relying on, and um, some churches in the, in the in the West, in North America, Canada, um, maybe have not explored mentorship and discipleship deeply enough. Uh, they're relying on the Sunday service. They're relying on the youth night, and they're hoping that student, you know, they're. They're uh, young people, especially, but their members are reading their Bibles and doing their daily devotions. And it might just be enough for them, you know, to read a passage, a short passage and, and pray a short prayer and and think that that's, you know, all that's necessary. Um, try to be a good witness by living a moral life, um, mm -hmm. um, but maybe not be equipped to share their faith, to share their story, uh, to um be more than just invitational. Hey, our church is, is doing a Christmas program. Would you like to come to our Christmas program? We'd like to have you come. Uh, or, or, or we're doing an alpha thing, and would you like to come to the alpha? You've got some questions about faith and never had a place to answer them. This is a great place uh, to, uh, to ask them. So there's a, there's a variety. But I think more intentionality has to be thought through in terms of um, exploring how Jesus made disciples and how that is a model for us to make disciples as well. Mm -hmm. So, and one step further uh, than making disciples is making disciples who make disciples. Exactly. And we're, you know, we're not making disciples of Cal or Tony. We're making disciples of Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Uh, and this person, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. But now we're going to, you know, I've been, do, I've been doing this for 30, 40 years. And, and you're doing this for three or four months. I mean, this is, there's something that, you know, can be contributed uh, in helping this person in their journey, you should be able to have some resources for beginners to be able to explore and discuss and integrate into the life and see that it is integrated in your life and then be part of a, a small group that's part, you know, uh, a, a vehicle for that as well. Um, so that's a key thing is discipleship. Are churches doing it well? Uh, it's case-by-case case situation, but I think there is an emphasis. I think the Holy Spirit is emphasizing to churches um, re-dig the well of discipleship. Yeah. <laughs> you know, revisit the subject of discipleship. Don't be spooked by it. I mean, some people have done discipleship bad and, and, and they're lording it over other people and they're controlling people's lives and telling them who they can marry or whatever. That's not what we're talking about. We're, but we're talking about being disciples of Jesus and helping other people be disciples of Jesus 
who can then help get the next generation be disciples of Jesus. And so in this way, there is legitimate organic growth uh, taking place, not only just spiritually, individually, but corporately, people are being added and growing in the Lord. Uh, so I think it's a very biblical model, and uh, there's a lot of resources out there on that. Um, we get all of our staff to begin with the classic by, uh, I think it's Robert Coleman, the master plan of, of evangelism. And that talks about Jesus' way of making disciples who make disciples. And, in, and so if anybody wants to explore the subject, that's a good place to start, you know, but there's other people that are have built on that work. Yeah, and I think studying other people's work is always uh, beneficial for any Christian in their in their growth because what you don't know, someone else might be able to enlighten you on. And yeah. uh, admitting that you don't know everything is yeah. is key because God, it, it, the moment you think you know everything, God will show you you don't know everything. Do that. So and, yeah, it's a. a a pose of hum of humility, right? You're exactly. In a posture of humility where you say, hey, let's learn from one another. Let's learn from those that have really demonstrated that God's blessed them in this area. And uh, it, it's worth commending and, uh, and, and, and imparting. I mean, the last thing Jesus says in Matthew is, all authority has been uh, in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. I mean, it just prioritizes this yeah. um, mission. Uh, make disciples of all nations, so everybody, anybody, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I command you, and, and I will be with you to the yeah. end uh, yeah. in this project, in this uh, participation in the mission of God. Yeah, and that is, uh, I have three cores of uh, the Cool Explorations podcast. We have three cores in our mission statement, and that's the third core is, okay. is that exact verse, going out sure. and making disciples of all nations. And that's why I've been trying to get more people involved in it, because it's not about just one person speaking to another person. It's about getting everybody involved, get them going out and actively making disciples, as you say following the great commission because we're not asked to go and make disciples of all nations we're commanded to go That's and make disciples point. of all nations and i think as christians often we fall into that trap of just getting too comfortable or getting mm. too busy my wife and i were discussing this last night people just get too busy and they don't get active yeah. in their faith and it's something i've been guilty of in the past so i'm not saying i'm any better I've been I've been guilty of the exact same thing. We were just saying, my wife and I, we need to get more active in within our church too. And uh, yes, I do this, and this takes up a ton of time. But I'm also doing Bible studies now on on Tuesday nights with uh, with one of the churches I've partnered with, and um, we just did our first one this past week here, and I I learned a lot. It was really enlightening. It was great um, to just do that Bible study, and to look at things from a different angle than what you normally would take a look at a verse or a section and being like, what is God actually trying to say through this? Not just looking at the surface, but what is God trying to say to me through this? Mm. And that's what a lot of discipleship ends up being and, and uh, having that open mind to be like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Like that, mm. that's actually really cool. And some of the things we brought up when we looked at, uh, it was Mark chapter eight, uh, verses 22 to 30 and where Jesus heals the blind man. Um, and it tells him not to, not to say anything about, about being healed. Um, and then he asks Peter, who do you, uh, like, who, who, who do you th say I am? And people are, he's like, oh, well, people say, or you're a prophet, you're Elijah, you're like, and we're just like, okay, well, what do you say I am? And he's, well, you're the Messiah. And it's like, well, what was God trying to tell us through this? Because you can get, mm. you can get stuck on the healing part um, and you can get stuck on him saying he was Messiah, but what is God trying to say through this text? Not just looking at the surface. And so we dug deeper and it was really, really enlightening to kind of look deeper than what you'd normally take a look and i love it and that's why i we're going to be doing a 
two night, Tuesday nights now all the time and uh, part of the Soma Bible study group. If anybody wants to tune to that. Okay. Um, and uh, they're partnering with me on a lot of stuff we're doing now. And it's, it's great to see a church um, after I interviewed their pastor, they said they saw a change in the pastor. And now he, he, uh, he's all about now, like, get, let's get the church more active. Let's get people doing things. Let's, and uh, it's like, I, I'm going to be a part of that. And it feels good that God is using me in that way. And I just, I want to encourage any churches, universities, um, organizations out there, get active, um, get your people active, do what you're doing, make disciples and get them going out and spreading God's word. Um, and how do you think we can prepare our youth better? for entering university because I know that is a huge struggle when they go from that Christian home life or even non-Christian home life into a university now where they're on their own. They have to try and make decisions on their own. Like you say, said before coming into adulthood, how do we prepare them better for that? Oh, that's an excellent question. I mean, it's a great concern, honestly. Uh, EFC did a number of subjects uh, or studies, um, about hemorrhaging the hemorrhaging of faith uh where a number they're looking at that demographic of high school students christian church kids high school students um dropping out in large numbers uh, when they transition to university college or the work world and the question is you know why is it happening and what can we do about it and so there is definitely some things um coming into place that are are being made available to youth pastors, uh, parents, um, young adults, uh, and high school students uh, to help them prepare in advance uh, for that transition. I, I think too many um, students have no preparation, no idea that it's going to be a more significant transition than it actually is. Yeah. I mean, usually you're leaving home. Usually uh, you're um, moving away from a small school to a huge school. Uh, usually you're, you know, you're uprooted unless you're in a big city and you're staying with the school in your big city. But often you're uprooted from your faith community. Uh, you're uprooted from your friends, your peer group, because they're not all going to the same school. They're certainly not all going to the same program that you've been accepted in. Let's say it's engineering or architecture or whatever. And so you're on the move, but you have no idea how many elements of this move are going to impact you and unsettle you. And if it's an adventure, it's exciting, uh, it's scary. Um, and so what could be done? So now people are beginning to say, okay, well, these are some things I wish I knew when I transitioned from high school to university, and they're writing it down. They make it into little video clips. And... Um, there is something called mentorship.1. Uh, one could Google that, mentorship.1. And that's exactly uh, what they're looking at. Uh, they're, uh, they've got a life launch video series, short video. Like we're talking podcast short videos of 10 minutes, five minutes, three minutes, uh, like little YouTube clips uh, that help students um, to consider some of the changes that they may not have thought of. It might just be uh, like uh, making sure you have a clean for, uh, environment. Like maybe you're not a tidy person, but when you move on to your own, you have your own room. Mom's not there to clean up anymore. Do you know how to do laundry? Do you know how to cook? Do you know how to shop for your groceries? Do you know, you know, how to stay healthy? Um, you know, so there's some simple, but basic uh, things available there. Uh, there'll be some stress mentally. Do you know uh, some of the best practices for, for, um, you know, mental health that are biblical. Um, do you know who you are? Are you strong in your faith? Have you made a pre-commitment to continue to be strong in your faith? Will you then intentionally connect with a Christian community on day one, like week one, when you arrive into this new location? Will you do your pre-research before you get there by internet and say, well, are there Christian clubs on my campus? What church denomination am I comfortable with and what church is close by that campus that I should check out first? Um, do I have any friends that live there that would have recommendations, you know? Uh, 
sometimes we're just so busy and we're so forgetful and, and we're so preoccupied with other stuff. We don't even do that. And, and then we land and then we get swamped. The first week there's parties and there's all kinds of stuff and you meet new people and they have different agendas and, you know, come do this and come do that. And then you miss church. Well, I don't have a church here anyway, but then it's two weeks and then it's three weeks. And then you're starting to drift in other ways as well. Uh, so, yeah, there are some really powerful um, things to help a young person uh, prepare for that transition and be successful in that transition. Nobody, usually uh, a Christian doesn't go to campus saying, you know, my plan is to lose my faith. That's not, that's nobody's plan, you know, unless they've been, a you know, badgered and forced to attend and they can't wait to get out of that kind of pressure. But mm -hmm. if it's, if their faith is their own, uh, then they should be able to uh, successfully transition into a Christian community and, and make some new Christian friends and stay in touch with some of the old ones by the internet and, uh, and do good, uh, do well. Um, so there's, you know, what is it like to live in a basement suite? What is it like uh, to deal with, you know, some of the challenges that they're going to now face? Um, all the new ideas that are coming at it. Are the ideas that they believe in strong enough to be able to assess, compare and contrast, filter out other ideas that are now, uh, they're, they're, you know, becoming aware of? So Yeah, and through universities, there's lots of social agendas that get pushed um, and a lot of yeah, sure. university profs will attack people for their for their christian faith i've heard that story time and time again um, where yeah. there's been teachers who have profs who have said um if you're a christian going into this i'm going to make you a non-christian by the time you leave this class and i think as a student you need to be prepared for that and be ready to get attacked and to defend your faith because you're called to defend your faith and mm -hmm. have that knowledge. And it's hard when you're a university student because they're already stressed. I mean, that's aside from marriage and having kids, I think that's one of the biggest transitions you're ever going to make in life. Uh, huge. And it's coming at a time when you're a, like you say, leaving your, your home and then you get all the pressure of all the different parties and stuff that are going on at college, plus the pressure of your classes uh and it's it's a lot and you're getting used to like you say moving out and living on your own figuring things out for your own like how to do things and some people haven't been prepared for laundry our kids already do their own laundry but uh <laughs> being prepared to do laundry to know how to how to cook even basic things um a lot of times that's lacking because parents just do everything for their kids and it's like well no your kids have to learn things especially in their teenage years how to do things so yep. that they're ready and i think uh parents oftentimes are failing their children they think they're helping them but they're failing their children in that way and not preparing them um, especially in their christian faith with defending the christian faith um, that's why doing devotions with your kids and uh, teaching them how to pray properly and uh, preparing them for different stuff. Um, like my son and I had the puberty talk. Uh, okay. That, that, that was a fun one. He hates that stuff. Um, and just preparing your kids in biblical ways for these different things that they're going to come across because mm. it is a big life change. And, and we do, like you say, we do see that the church often bleeding these young people um and a lot, a lot of times they'll end up returning later on in life but uh, that's not a good way to live we want them to be firm going all the way through and not yes. go away and then have to come back later on when they've settled down or realized that god is really calling them in a different right way it's like no we need to prepare them for that and your program is one of those ways of doing that um and how do we as christians how do we go about protecting the yeah, these people from these societal agendas that they're getting pressured with and attacked with uh, on a regular basis? How do we go about doing that? Well, I can think of several things that come to mind. Uh, number one is to have a vibrant personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, that's huge. Like, um, do you read your Bible and pray? And it, at a level and a depth where you're getting something back from God. 
So uh, when that's happening and you're sensing God's presence, you're sensing God speaking to you in your thought, it's not your thought, it's not the devil's thought, it's not the world's thought, it's a God thought uh, that's come from scriptures, come from prayers, come from your meditating and, and, and just having a conversation with God. Uh, that is huge. But also being part of a Christian community that also is vibrant and um, biblical and um, moving uh, by the, the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. Those two things uh, are absolutely essential. And we want to provide at the campus level a Christian community uh, of peers and sometimes Christian faculty and staff as well as uh, the staff that we have with the club that create a Christian community that is robust and that is, you know, welcoming in a, and, and, and it's not a clique and, uh, but it's, it's, it's really drawing people into it and making people feel wanted and welcomed. And, um, it's a, it's a greenhouse for growth, yeah. uh, while they're in the storms of the desert of the campus, spiritually speaking, because there is a lot of distractions. There's a lot of pulls in other directions. So yeah, having yeah. this, you know, they're going deep in scripture. Yeah, that's big. That's really big. Um, learning to ask the questions. Um, yeah, some, some ways of, of what is this scripture saying? Well, how do I crack it open? Do I see the main point? Uh, is there a comparison being made? Is there a contrast? Is there a conditional statement? If you do this, then this will happen. Uh, is the verb tense past, present, future? Is it passive? Like it's going to happen to me? Is it active? I've got to do something for this to happen. Uh, you know, so you start up breaking up basic grammar that God has chosen to reveal his truths to us with. Mm -hmm. And uh, then people are like, wow, like my professor at um, Gordon Fee at Regent College back in the day, he said, you know, read your scripture, look at it again, look at it again, <laughs> look at it again, read it again, read it again. And uh, it was like, I reread it. What I have discovered, 40 years of reading my Bible, and I'm in a small group with like six other students, and somebody says something about the text, and I go, I've never seen that before in 40 years. And it's not an outlandish you know, weird thought. It's like, that's solid, you know, and, and I've never, thank you so much for your perspective. And the whole group is going like, wow, we're really learning from each other, you know, and uh, that's exciting. Um, so our exit surveys, oftentimes students will say the most important thing that's ever, you know, that I've experienced has been that small group and that core group, that Bible study, that inductive Bible study. Yeah, and learning from other people, like we were talking about before. Yeah, it's just yeah bouncing off each other and being like, oh yeah, like yeah, like you say, it's it's that that learning and having the open mind to to learn and revisit the text that so oftentimes we get so familiar with the text that we just we kind of lose its meaning. We don't really go yeah. deeper because it's like, oh, I've heard that text so many times before. Well, have you really thought about what that text means? Yeah. People presume that they, they, they could learn nothing more from this passage, and, and nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, you could probably soak in it more and gain deeper insight to it, or, or it can go deeper into your soul than you think it has ever gone before, and uh, so that's important. The other thing is, you know, people do have legitimate questions, or there's questions that the culture is asking that puts pressure on the church. For example, uh, if God is so good and so powerful, why are all these evil things suffering, you know, taking place in our world? You know, this is a good reason not to believe and just yeah. to reject all this stuff. And, and that's uh, so common. we'll bring in that is that's very common. Yeah. Uh, so we'll address that subject every year, you know, uh, and we'll put a poster up. We'll bring in a guest speaker for some credibility and some, you know, uh, and some, you know, brilliance on that subject. And uh, but we're all. Uh, versed in tackling that passage, uh, that, you know, that issue uh, one way or another with students. And it's sometimes an intellectual issue, so you give it logical reason. Sometimes it's an emotional issue. Uh, my sister was killed in a car accident. How could God allow that to happen? That's an emotional issue. It's not yeah. just a, you know, an atheist wanting to have a fight for sport. Uh, it's actually something that's happened in real life, and you have to figure out, well, how do I make sense of that? 
Yeah, exactly. What in the Bible would help me make sense of that? And and so we love to come alongside students, regardless of where their journey is, and assist them in seeing it with new eyes and uh, accessing new resources to be biblical resources to be able to answer these questions. Yeah, and a lot of that is that one-on-one discipleship. Um, that yeah, you're talking a lot about. of that becomes one-on-one conversations, spiritual conversations for sure. Yeah, yeah. it also helps group. Often, I find is. Yeah. is great because different then you're like oh other people have experienced something else similar like like okay what did they learn from it like what can i learn from this i'm not alone and yeah. that loneliness feeling is often what gets people and uh learning that you know i'm not alone in my struggles i have god i have other people who are christians mm. who can yeah. come alongside me and and support me and i can support them in return um so i think that's so true i think that is very important for us as christians to realize and for us to to focus a little bit more on because i think that is one area that churches have been failing on um and not just Mm. churches in general but christians in general have been failing on is really coming alongside people and just being like let me support you let me help you out here let's let's get this figured out um and being willing to have spend the time to have one-on-one coffee with somebody or or invite them over like we like have our friends over for bonfires and it's a good bonding time to just go bond around a bonfire and you know talk about different things that are going on in your life different struggles uh a way to just keep in contact and you find different creative ways covid is is one area that you know we really had to get creative you really had to think outside the box and i think that was one area that um I did a couple things on unity in the church on, on that. Cause it was, people were just complaining about the fellowship part. And I'm like, well, think outside the box, you know, just fellowship isn't just about going to church and being together in church. Fellowship is being outside the church and gathering outside the church and finding different ways outside the church to connect with people. So think outside the box. Don't just be stuck in, Oh, I can only fellowship at the church and whining that during COVID we couldn't fellowship at the church. Well, no, that just should have made you just be like, oh, well, how can I maintain this fellowship? Instead of just grumbling, complaining, finding a solution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how, what advice, I guess, would you give parents who are trying to prepare their kids for, for university or just moving out in general? What advice would you give those parents? Because I know as a parent, it's really tough as well to, to adjust to that. Oh, that's, that's a good question as well. Um, make sure that your relationship with your child is, is really tight, like, uh, you know, spiritually, if it's possible. Um, having an emotional connection, having a, um, you can talk to me about anything. Uh, you know, so that's, that's something for parents to create that environment so that they can have heart-to-heart talks. If, you, if we never have any heart-to-heart talks with our own kids, then there's something probably wrong. Um, we're, we're missing out on that aspect of life. They all have their heart-to-hearts with somebody else. And who they're going to have their heart-to-heart talks with and what it, you know input they're going to get from those other people is, is a good question. It could be their peers misleading them in, a, in another direction. So definitely you know, being friends, whether the child strays or not, if you're really, truly friends with your child, you've left a door open, a powerful, influential door is open to um, welcome that child back, you know, and, uh, and not actually, uh, you know, repel them. But in the midst of that overall frame, I think saying, let's think about together, let's brainstorm, you know, what's this, transition going to look like for you what's this change going to look like what are some things that we might want to prepare in advance to make sure it's as successful as possible some practical things like on the food side and on the cleaning side and the washing side and and some other things like relationally like we're you know uh spiritually um do we have any contacts in the city in that campus uh, can we do the research together? Can you do the research and report, let me know about it? Or can I do the research and share, you know, having those kind of conversations, I think would be really respectful, honoring and, and, and help connect them 
uh, together in a, in a better way and a stronger way, a deeper way. Um, as you come to this moment of like, oh, I'm saying goodbye to my kids. Yeah. You know, we're moving out and empty, you know, nest syndrome. And, uh, or yay, they're out of here so I can just go <laughs> boating and cruising and whatever that, I wanted to do. That, that was my yeah, parents. I don't know about that. That, that was my parents. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> the kids are gone. Let's go and do things. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Well, fair enough. I mean, we have five kids. Uh, two of them still live with us. So, you know, the youngest and the oldest. The oldest is a boomerang. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, that's okay. We love them and, and they, they love the Lord. But uh, they're, you know, you just, you never end being a parent. And um, kids are going to, you know, run out of money sometimes and call home and say, I need money or whatever it might be, you know. So uh, it's good to have as strong a relationship as possible and have some real wise, practical. Uh, we're not, I mean, kids, I don't think, want to be bossed around, told what to do, and, you know, nope. even by their parents. They want to go and explore and be free. But could we let them feel like they've got a whole new level of freedom without all these unanticipated difficulties messing it up? You know, uh, um, so, yeah. Yeah, and I think you brought up money, and I think that's a big one, too, is preparing them to spend responsibly. Um, remember that the money is not yours to spend. It is God's money. Um, um, and so they need to remember to, to tithe, but also to, like, budget for food, budget for for if your car breaks down or public transit, whatever you're using, um, I recommend public transit in the cities. It's way cheaper. Yeah. Um, Usually it's part of the cost of university. It's a student fee. Yeah. See, in our, our college we went to didn't, didn't pay for that, but we just found it was right. a lot cheaper to, to do that. And uh, yeah, it takes a little bit longer because you have to sit on the bus, but the time in the bus mm-hmm. actually gives you time to kind of unwind from school and the tension from school. Um, so I found I just put in my headphones and I pull out a good book. And okay. th- that would help me unwind from school because school is stressful and, and knowing how to spend financially and budget for even your, your rent, if it's not included, um, yeah, dorm, dorm life is another big one. Um, I've lived in, I lived in dorms before, um, in the Bible college I went to. So that was a big adjustment, learning to live with someone else in the room, share your space with somebody who doesn't necessarily follow your cleanliness rules my roommate was no. not was not neat at all i was very neat oh. uh, he was not good at, at doing homework uh, i had to basically force him to sit in his chair to get done homework um but me i had my everything done in the first month so the rest of the semester i could just goof off and do whatever i wanted because i had all my homework done uh and that was just me as the way i dealt with my stress but learning <laughs> to deal with someone with a, who is an opposite and I think that helps prepare you for marriage later on because you're dealing with someone who has their own personality. They have their own way of going about things that are different and being prepared for that, I think is, is uh, hard to do for a parent to prepare your child for that. I think it's, a it dis- takes a village, right? It takes a village of people yeah. to contribute all the life skills that we need. Yeah, you know? exactly. I was just having a conversation with a student and, um, you know, the thing that they talked about was conflict skills and communication skills and, and how they didn't seem to have very many. It's, it's not like there's a high school course that teaches you on how to, how to uh, communicate and how to manage conflict. I mean, there are some amazing materials out there, crucial conversations, books and courses, uh, nonviolent communication has helped me a lot. Um, and it's, you know, yeah, you'll need those for marriage. You just need those for life. You need them for friendship. You need them for your roommate relationship. You need them for your boss employee relationship. You need boss, them for your employee yeah. employee relationship. Yeah. You need them for a student teacher relationship. I mean, how do you de-escalate something that's you know going off the rails emotionally? Um, you know, how do you step back as a Christian and employ some of the best skills for listening, for reasoning, for empathy 
say, well, oh, I see your point of view. Would you now want to see my point of view? You know, and they go, oh, you do see my point of view. Thank you. Um, Okay, now I'm open to your point of view. And uh, and it de-escalates the conflict. But people don't know how to handle conflict. And so that's something that our ministry will also um, end up sharing and teaching uh, students. And that is something lacking in today's society is that that either empathy or even just trying to see what somebody else has to say. Um, I've yeah. talked about it a couple of times on the podcast, but it's that you, you don't agree with me. So you're wrong. I hate you. Get lost. Yeah. And right. D friend. Boom. Yeah. Twitter, <laughs> Facebook. I mean, I mean, they're bad for this. Twitter, especially is a cesspool of hate. Like it's just, is it? Uh, I only, all I do on Twitter now is I just post my podcasts and devotions. That's all I post on Twitter. If people want to comment on it, they can comment on it. I probably won't respond anymore because I'm done responding to people who, who spread hate because there's no changing their mind anyway. Uh, I, I, I've responded with, uh, at the end of the day, just you know, no matter how much hate you spew, you know, you're loved. And that's about all I'll respond because there isn't much point. I get hate mail before uh, a lot of interviews I do because they don't like someone that I've, that I've interviewed uh, or they don't think they're a Christian. And I'm like, mm. who, are you, who are you to judge whether, whether they're a Christian or not? Like that's God's, that's God's judgment. Um, and so it's, it, it can be a challenge that, that conflict resolution. Um, and even as a podcaster, that's something you have to know. How do I conflict resolution? because you're going to come across it. You're going to get hate. You're going to get people who disagree with you. And uh, when I was in college, I took youth care work as my, my second year of college. So that was kind of, we learned a lot of that because you have to Mm. deal with that with, with these youth and these youth are going to be more challenging than most people you come across because they have dealt with a lot of trauma. They're angry. They're kids. They don't understand it. They don't understand their emotions. And that, yeah. that prepared me a lot for, for life was, was dealing with that. And now as I get older, I remember a lot more of that stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> like, oh yeah, like that works. <laughs> and now that I have kids, I can employ some of that stuff myself, <laughs> which, Excellent. which helps. Excellent. It's a little tougher with your own kids, I think, but uh, yeah, the closer you are, the more hooked you get sometimes. Exactly. And the more emotional yeah. you, you get tired, whereas when you're with, kids in the youth group home like you kind of learn to be a little bit more detached like emotionally detached yes you get attached to the kids but you know that they're not going to be there for for a long time so you just have to get yourself prepared to not get emotionally attached first with your kids your family or getting married it's very different and so <laughs> being prepared for that like you said life experience comes all plays a lot into that and it, for a parent it's it's not something that is easy to really teach. Um, but I think one of the best ways is having conversations with your children, with, mm-hmm. especially as they're teenagers. Show that you're still interested in them, even if they don't want them any interest or any part in you because they're a teenager and they want to do their own thing. Make sure you still show them that you are taking an interest in what they're doing because that's going to teach them to be open with you when they do go off to college. Because like you yeah. say, you want them to have that relationship with you where they can talk about things. And then if they're questioning the faith, they can talk to you about it. You can talk to your pastor about it. You can get advice from other people uh, on how to mentor them and prepare them for that. That's a universal felt need. Uh, every student wants to be listened to and respected, Christian or not. And so we'll employ those very same values um, of these respectful conversations and being vulnerable, sharing our, our our lives more openly than maybe, you know, you're used to and um, allowing people to share their lives uh, more openly and not expressing shock. Uh, what? You did what? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, okay, man, that, that must have been really hard for you and you know, I can, I can feel that pain or whatever, but you, you're, you're validating their human experience um, that it's real 
and it's better that you talk about it than that you bury it. Uh, because if you bring it to the surface, we've got some options about how to move forward uh, and, and what to do with that. Would you maybe like to, to give this pain to the Lord, you know? Uh, yeah. How do you forgive? Um, what is the role of forgiveness? I mean, who doesn't want to be forgiven? But then how do we forgive others? Well, maybe we need an expert on forgiveness living inside of us to be able to do that. <laughs> like um, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's just something. Uh, I do reach out to students over the years. We do a student spirituality questionnaire. We want to not just, you know, you know, see people come to a meeting. We want to go out into the highways and byways of the campus and engage the students from time to time. And so we'll ask them questions about, you know, what are you studying? What's your goal in life? What's your purpose? Uh, what's your family's background religiously? I don't even pinpoint them. I don't say, what's your religious beliefs? I just, well, what was mom and dad's religious beliefs? And it's like easy to talk about mom and dad on religion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not so much about yourself yet because you don't trust the person that's talking to you but it's like yeah well mom was the catholic dad was a protestant we had you know uh we just agreed disagree and and and, and i'm free to do anything i want and so i've been doing anything i want uh you know so you get these different conversations going on um with students and you know, what's your favorite movie or book uh you know if you could have lunch with anybody in history language not a barrier who would you you know wish to have a lunch with um if you could ask God any question at all, what would you ask God? You know, even if he doesn't exist, but he just sort of surprises you and he says, hey, uh, ask me anything. Um, why is it more obvious that you exist? You know, um, the number one question actually for that in hundreds of surveys done is, well, and this is whether they're atheists or not. They say, well, um, what was your purpose in for my life or for the world, this world project, this creation project, what was the purpose of it all? Or what's the purpose for me uh, being in this world? What's my purpose? And I find that to be incredibly interesting. Um, and I say, well, what if you've already told me the answer? And they go, I haven't told you the answer. But right at the beginning, I asked them, what's your greatest goal or purpose in life? And, and we move through, you know, graduation, get a job, make some money. And then get married, have a family. Uh, and I asked them, well, which is more important? You know, the money? You know, what if you could have a billion dollars, but not a single friend, experience no love for your entire life? You're lonely, you're afraid, you're hoarding. Uh, you can buy anything you want. And mostly you buy security systems. Um, or you have the best relationships, the best marriage, the best friendships for life, but just enough to get by. Which life would you choose? And I've had students, no matter what their background is, you know, they hate that choice because they really do want to have billion dollars, <laughs> but they don't want to sacrifice love and friendship. And mm -hmm. so when it comes down to brass tacks, they're going to take the love and friendship over the billion dollars, 99%. And uh, I says, well, you've already told me that love and relationships is the most important thing. Can you think of something more important for the purpose of life? than loving relationships, like good ones, best ones. And nobody's ever said, I got a better idea than loving relationships for the purpose of life. Uh, and I says, would it be surprise you if that's exactly what the Bible says that God intended was loving relationships? That's the main theme. Things get rocky and he's trying to repair it. You know, he's making a way to repair that. But uh, that's the main theme. And they go, I one guy go like, really? <laughs> Yeah. I did, had no idea. And, um, and I said, well, who's the greatest expert in all of human history on love and on, on these kind of relationships? And they're thinking, I said, well, somebody who modeled it, somebody who taught it, somebody who's loved sacrificially, somebody who, who gave their life to protect or rescue somebody else. And they're going, and finally, it's like, are you talking about Jesus? I said, I am. And uh, does he done all those things? Yeah, he, he has. I mean, that's what the stories are about, right? He died for others and uh, he taught about love. You love your enemies. Um, can you think of somebody better on the subject of love than Jesus Christ? I have never in 200 
conversations had anybody say, I know somebody better than Jesus on love. And um, I think that's kind of cool. And so I said, well, have you, you know, read the, the biographies of the life of Jesus that were written by those who knew him? Um, no. Would you like to? And, you know, off of them, Matthew, Mark, with John. <laughs> uh, and, and so that is something I think people in their hearts, they know that there is something called love and science can't figure love out. Uh, evolution can't figure love out. Um, all these things can't figure love out, but Jesus has figured love out. And so we lead them into a conversation uh, about Jesus' strongest message. Love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself, love like I love, lay down your life for others, this kind of love. Uh, well, how do you get it? Well, you get it through Jesus, through the cross, through the resurrection, um, through his spirit but uh, through his word so yeah that is so true and such a great message because yeah it's definitely something to think about that gets your mind mind going and uh, that that's important uh thank you for coming on and having this conversation uh it's thanks been, tony for having me yeah it's been great and uh, i love these kind of conversations so thank you thank you for listening to cool explorations you just heard from Calvin Weber of UCM, which is University of Christian Ministries, as he speaks on how important it is to reach our youth before they enter into university life and how we can impact university students on campus and how we can actually make that difference in their lives.